0: This week on Heads and Tails, we get down and dirty with Michael Fury. This is Kevin Somm, and you're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. We share stories of perseverance and inspiration in sports and in life. Alright, so this week on Heads and Tails, myself, Kevin Somm, and... Our, our new co-host Stephen McGuire. He had a little Terry, um episode in high school, so I felt like he was worthy to come on the podcast and, and help me out. We're interviewing Mike Fury, who was diagnosed with MS at 26. He was a former college basketball player, and um, he found obstacle course racing as a new outlet for you know his. His, uh, his voice, his message, and a way to challenge himself and also raise money um, for his cause at the same time. So, Mike, let's just start by learning a little bit more about you. Um, let's talk about like what sports you played growing up and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, so, uh, as a kid, I played baseball, lacrosse,
0: basketball. I
1: grew up on Long Island, so lacrosse strong was... Strong Island? Strong Island. Lacrosse was the sport, uh, but I gravitated more towards basketball, so around middle school, I started focusing on basketball. Majority of my friends were lacrosse players, and basketball was probably a secondary sport in the town I grew up in, but I definitely gravitated more towards basketball.
2: Okay. Is there a reason why you chose basketball more than lacrosse? Like, was there any connection there? Here, it's all yeah. dudes, so yeah, <laughs> that could be why. <laughs> I'm 6'5, so that was a, a benefit. <laughs>
1: and uh, probably my skill level was a little higher a little in little basketball high than lacrosse, <laughs> that's for
0: sure. What position did you play in basketball? Uh, power forward. Okay. Um, I don't really know too much about basketball, but it sounds cool.
2: Yeah. I think LeBron James plays power forward, so it's a cool comparison. You're in good company, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what did you love most about basketball?
0: Uh,
1: I mean, the, the normal cliche answer was an escape. It was, you know, you need a ball, some friends, and a hoop, and you can just play for hours. Um, so it was definitely, you know, just a, a great outlet. Um, and then for me growing up, uh, when I started getting better at basketball, it was a, a big confidence booster. I wasn't great in school. so basketball gave me an outlet as you know someone something to build my That confidence
0: you were good with. at yeah. yeah. Interesting. So let's talk about your decision. You played college basketball at um, Western Maryland. So yep. can you talk about like what the recruiting process was, why you chose to go there and what your career was like at, at Western Maryland?
1: Yeah, I mean I was, a, I was a late bloomer in high school, so I went from the last guy off the bench freshman year on JV to all Long Island my senior year. Um, so I was a late bloomer, so colleges oh, no didn't- no big
0: deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so colleges didn't come uh, recruiting me until probably my senior year. Um, and quite simply, I narrowed it down to Western Maryland and Hobart, uh, which is up in upstate New York. Uh, and I visited both. Uh, I had a friend, a real good friend, who was, I played high school basketball with who was going to Hobart. And I just couldn't handle the snow up there right off the the lakes. You know, they they go six weeks without finding their car. So it was, you know
2: just uh, get dumped on up yeah, there. I, I couldn't <laughs> handle that. Um,
1: and uh and I you know, I wasn't didn't have great academics, so it was pretty much down to those two schools. And
0: so like how'd you struggle in school? Like uh, what about it was a struggle for you? I just I didn't I mean I,
1: again I was probably, you know, the typical Uh, Young male, late to mature, didn't take school seriously in high school, was too busy socializing and doing whatever. Um, You know, diagnosed with a learning disability when I was uh, in high school. What disability
0: Uh, was that? I had an
1: auditory, uh, you know, an auditory disability with uh, translating, uh, you know, with language and stuff. Okay. um, Yeah, so uh, I was just a late bloomer and uh, got into Western Maryland. Didn't, you know, was excited to play basketball, but didn't really you know, thoroughly go through my due diligence of what the basketball program was. I was just, you know, looks like a good school, fun school. You know, it was in the Centennial Conference. I know you interviewed um, I think Casey from Gettysburg. So Western yep. Maryland was in the uh, Centennial Conference with Gettysburg, Hopkins, uh, Muhlenberg, your scientists, so all schools that I knew. Right, right. And uh, I just thought it would be a great place to play. So
2: Cool. Um. You can answer. So do you have, like, a favorite memory from when you played college basketball? Was there anything during that career that really stood out to you?
1: Um, I don't know if there's a specific moment. You know, I went from uh, high school where we were really good. You know, you step on the basketball court and you don't think you can ever lose to going and playing in college on a team that wasn't very good. And you figure, and you, you work so hard at something and you feel like you can't win. Right. Um, so, I mean, I guess...
0: Uh, my what kind of frustrations guy? did you have at that point in time? Because a lot of people that l- listen to this podcast might be on a team who yeah. is is struggling. Like, how do you stay positive in those in those situations? Oh, it was
1: it was hard, and I don't know if <laughs> if uh, you ask my wife, I don't know who I met in college. I don't know if I stayed very positive <laughs> throughout it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely affected me uh, a great deal. It was really hard when I finished my college career. My love for basketball was You never wanted to see a basketball low. again? Exactly. Um, but in terms of, you know, favorite memories, I was listening to uh, Charles Barkley talking about, you know, March Madness stuff the other day, and he talked about, you know, when seniors are ending their career after they lose in a tournament, you know, the the greatest thing other than the paycheck for him, obviously, was the end of the plane rides and the bus rides and the camaraderie with the team. So for me, even though we were not very good in college, the relationships and teammates and fun you had with guys. I mean, you would, you know, division three, division one, whatever it is, it's a full-time job in college. I right. mean, it was every day for at least five or six hours plus classes. And I think about, um, you know, my roommate in college uh, who also played basketball. You know, I, I spent, you know, every waking moment with him, whether it was basketball, socializing, you know, classes, whatever. Then I graduate college, he's in the military, He. Sh- it shipped off to Hawaii. I'm in New York, so it's just... At least you have a place to visit. Yeah, exactly, which we did, which is great. But, you know, those relationships that, you know, when you, those four years in college, those relationships, that just the, the time you spend with your teammates was amazing. That's right. by far the best memories I have. Did you
0: have any, like, learning experiences from losing all the time? Oh, man. I <laughs> Don't
2: you be a bigger person, better person? Well, we might exactly. be able to get
0: into it a little later when yeah. we start talking about the yeah. MS diagnosis sure. and...
1: It definitely uh, led me to uh, something like obstacle course racing and, and, and running something that was more individual and no matter what effort you put into it, if you cross that finish line, right. you have your accomplishment as opposed to right. putting all this effort into something then losing the game yeah. and saying, and that's what unfortunately my, my college career was, was, you know, we were a good freshman year and then it was just kind of a slow decon- decline sophomore, junior, and then a little bit better senior. Um so, you know, I remember going into my senior year. I was talking to my father, saying I didn't want to play basketball. I didn't. I didn't want to go back for my senior year because I couldn't handle another. You know, I don't even know what we were four and twenty, my junior year or something like that. Um, so, you know, when you talk about perseverance, um, you know, thanks to my father, he said, you know, instead of just quitting, which I was, you know, thinking about, why don't you just put everything into it and see what happens? Right. You know, and then a year from now, you can look back and you know you're not going to say, I wish I had quit because, you know, if you put the effort in, you're going to get some good results. Exactly. And,
0: and, yeah. it's a good uh, message right you
1: know, there. I'm very happy I did.
0: Good.
2: Um, right. So after playing college basketball and finishing your college career, how did you kind of start finding your way towards the police academy and getting into that kind of field? Is that what you wanted to do right from the beginning or? Uh,
1: no, I don't think it was. I mean, I wanted to, to be in security, so I went to grad school, um, you know, was just doing the normal looking for a job kind of thing. I went to CW Post on Long Island at, for grad school in criminal justice, and uh, everybody I went to uh, to school with wanted to be a Nassau or Suffolk County police officer. that's you know, right. th- great organizations, and and uh, I was one of the few. I didn't I didn't want to be a cop per se. Um, I was really into um, canine work. If I was going to be a police officer, I wanted to be a canine officer. Um, so I started applying to some of the federal
0: agencies. But for like, a guy who struggled in school and mm-hmm. now is going to grad school, so like, yeah, you, you found a way to, yeah, right I to succeed, I, right? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I um, throughout college, when I, I think, uh, uh, I got away from high school and got a little more independence. So I was able to focus out and learn about, you know, this is when you have to study. This is when you have to socialize, and I. I Probably sophomore year of college is when I realized, wow, you know, learning is fun. Going to school is fun. Having right. success in school is fun. Cool. And and so again, like I said earlier, I was definitely a late bloomer. And probably by uh, if I'd known what I knew my junior senior year uh, of college in high school, <laughs> I probably would have been Done You know, the trajectory would have yeah. been a little different.
2: Cool. So was this also kind of the part of your life where you started to feel the effects of the MS? Like when did it first occur to you that something was wrong?
1: Yeah, so um, I, I was I applied to the federal agencies, you know ATF, NSA. Trying to uh, those those uh, agencies have very large canine units. So I figured I'll go uh, try and get into that, and then obviously in in those agencies there's a lot of different upward mobility in which you can do some really cool things. Um, so I ended up getting a job uh, after grad school with the National Security Agency. Um, they at the time. Um, had one of the largest canine units on the East Coast. So I got that job and figured, you know, you have to put in a certain commitment of time. So it was five years, I believe. So I said, okay, I'll go do that for five years. Uh, and it's, you know, being a police officer for five years, a federal police officer, and then I'll move inside, which, you know, gives you a bunch of uh, different opportunities. Um, so I took that job. My wife and I, uh, newly married at the time, uh, moved down to Maryland. Uh, just me and her, her family's uh, from New Jersey here. And my family's in Long Island. so it was just her and I down in Maryland. Um, and I started in the police, uh, so you got to you train at the uh, at Ford Mead, Mead down in uh, Maryland, and then you head down to um, to Georgia for the uh, official academy. So I did th- all that. I got through that, um, and uh, it was a about a year into the job or so, uh, and we continued to do physical PT training throughout. So I was in really good shape. And I started the job, so I was we were, were doing our, our police work. And essentially, one day, I just woke up uh, with my feet being numb. And uh, I didn't really think much about it because I'd been doing so much exercising, a lot of um, you know, sit-ups, push-ups, all the typical you know police PT type stuff you would think. Uh, so I didn't really think twice. thought I pulled a muscle in my back or something that was just affecting a nerve. Uh, so I ignored it for a while. You know, I was... 25 years old time, 26 years old, and figured I can't speak up about this because then my job will, you know, they'll, they'll put me on a desk job for a while. Which, which is like a do.
0: similar issue to like saying when you're hurt in sports because you're afraid to lose your job. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was brand new job,
1: first job that, you know, I was planning on uh, leading to a career for myself. And I said, I can't really speak up about this. So, uh, you know, obviously I told my wife, I told my parents, um, and we just kind of kept a, an eye on it for uh for a while and then um it just wasn't getting better so uh didn't have any relationships down there didn't have a general practitioner or anything like that so I kind of just picked one out of the out of the phone book and uh went and visited her and uh essentially you know didn't have a relationship with her you know didn't um didn't know her you know at this point, maybe she was a nice lady. I don't remember. It was all just a blur. But, you know, essentially, she just handed me uh, some copies from a textbook and said, "I think you have MS. You need to go see a specialist." And I was.
0: Yeah, you don't know her from anyone. She's telling you that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <And laughs> some random lady you just met. Exactly. So, what was going through your head when she told you that before you knew officially that you, you know? You know,
1: it's it's hard to sit back and look at it now. I mean, I. I don't even think I knew what MS was. I had probably never even heard or thought about the word, you know, the, or what the disease was in my life. Right. So, uh, honestly, I think at the time, I th- she's wrong. It's not, you know, I'd, I'd never dealt with injuries throughout my college career, basketball, high school. I'd never had an injury um, other than just minor things. So my body had never worked against me. It always worked for me. Right. Um, so I definitely, you know, looking back on it, was surprised and just thought she was wrong,
2: that, that there was no way. So after she kind of gave you her diagnosis of MS, did you go home right away and tell your wife? Did you kind of keep it to yourself for a little bit? Like no. What were your feelings on that?
1: My my wife my wife was with me, um, so she obviously knew. And um, you know, I told my parents. My my father um, has uh, a lot of relationships with with different doctors and stuff based on the job that he does. Um, so he started investigating, talking to some friends he had on Long Island, and we kind of just went from there. So um, I, didn't, uh, I didn't tell anybody outside of probably my wife, my parents, and my sister.
0: So when did you get the official diagnosis? Like what was the next step after that? So w- what doctor did you go see and then?
1: Yeah, so next step, uh, you know, after my dad got some feedback from some, some great doctors, he had, uh, you know, his, his good friend, uh, Dr. Blank in Long Island, who's a, a great, great guy, um, you know, he gave some feedback to my father, and we said, okay, let, let's go look into this. And, and we were lucky enough uh, to get an appointment at Johns Hopkins, which is one of the top, you know, between Hopkins and... Johnny Hopkins <laughs> and Sloan Kettering. <laughs> yeah. um, we were uh, lucky no enough Johnny to get, Hopkins. An <laughs> get an appointment uh, there uh, and see their their specialist or their head of, of their multiple sclerosis uh, center. And uh, went through just a battery of tests and uh, what
0: were some of the tests uh, it,
1: MRIs some eye tests uh, spinal taps you know stuff like that that uh, that were not not pleasant but it was just a world when I just you know I look back at it you know ten years now and uh, I just you know the, the one that sticks out is a spinal tap that was just the worst uh, you
0: know, just like, the pain or
1: um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've, I'm, I'm a big guy, you know, 6'5". I've never been very flexible, so there needs to be some flexibility, I guess, when you're getting a spinal tap, because i got to get in there. And, jamming right in your yeah, back. And uh, so it was um, after about the 10th uh, the attempt by the nurse practitioner to get in there, whoever was doing it, they had to bring in somebody else to do it, and, uh, which was painful. And then after that, uh, it didn't heal properly, so um, I had to get a blood patch uh, done. So I guess if it doesn't heal, your spinal fluid is leaking out, and you oh, get okay. really bad headaches, which I had. So for about a week, I couldn't stand up without a headache. Had to get a blood patch done, which so it was
0: just an unpleasant experience overall. So then they gave you the official diagnosis, and then then what?
1: Um, mean, like what
0: what what did you test positive for that said like yeah you have MS?
1: Uh, so my, my MRI scans showed lesions on my brain and in my neck and my spinal cord, uh, and also when they do the spinal tap, um, you know they're looking for a certain protein I guess in your spinal fluid, that is a, a strong indicator uh, of MS. Um, so you know at, at this point the the numbness in my feet had started to crawl up my body, um, so I knew that it was definitely something more than just a, a pinched nerve, um, and when I got the diagnosis, I was definitely scared. Um, I didn't know uh, at the time that I was going to have the two wonderful daughters that I have right now. But for some reason, uh, my first thought was, is this something I'm going to pass down to my children? Can I not have kids or should I have to rethink having kids? Right. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. I was going to ask you that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm newly married and uh, um, is this going to affect us, you know, having children in the past? And I remember, you know, talking to my father about it and asking him and my dad saying, you know, slow down, Let, let's first figure out if I give, gave it to my son, you know, so it was, and that just crushed me, because now I know my father's feeling the same way I'm starting to think, which is that he gave me, you know, that's because we do have um, autoimmune disorders in our family, uh, my aunt, my I have some cousins, my grandmother all had lupus, um, so, you know, MS is not a genetic disease. It's it not. It's, it's not, um, but... From my personal experience, I sit here and I think I know the, the the line of autoimmune disorders in my family, and I think it's just a little bit of a, right. a, a strong
0: coincidence there. Yeah. So. Um, wait, now, well, with, this question. is all
2: going on too. You're still down in Maryland, right? With just yep. you and your wife, you have no no one else to turn to besides her. Yeah. I was kind of dealing with that, just the two of you.
1: Yeah, uh, it, w- it was difficult. Um, you know, it was uh, just the two of us. We had no uh, strong relationships. My sister had had moved. Down to the D.C. area, so she was within forty-five minutes, so that was good. Um, So it was, you know, August two thousand five, you know, into the fall two thousand five, and that's when I was confirmed with uh, with the disease. Um, I was working a job that was, you know, I think my day started at four thirty a.m. till two in the afternoon, so uh, it was, you know, a difficult transition. Was my first real, you know, career job in my life, Um, so it was definitely difficult. Uh, we made it about six months. And then we said, if we're going to be dealing with this the rest of our lives, we need to get closer to family. Um, So, uh, you know, unfortunately left my sister down in D.C. And uh, we came back up here to Jersey um, where my wife's family was and my family, uh, you know, in Long Island.
0: Right. So could you not perform your police duties after this? Uh, That was
1: one of the, the big topics in the beginning was, you know, employment. Um, how do I, do I tell my employer that I have this? Is it going to affect me? If I change jobs in the future, am I going to be able to get insurance? You know, those were probably the secondary thoughts that we went through. Um, And uh, I I didn't tell my employer what was going on. I, you know, I just, um,
0: is it, I was thinking like there's probably a culture of toughness in the police, you know, world as Mm -hmm. the same way that there is in sports and like hiding, you know, your symptoms or hiding your injuries. Like, that's what happened to me because I mm. wanted people to think I was tough, so I didn't tell them that my head was hurting me when I had a concussion. Yeah. Um, next,
2: next man up syndrome, man. You're always exactly. worried about the person behind you. Exactly. Yeah. So
0: is it did you have the same kind of feelings, or it was more so from, like, a you don't have to tell them kind of thing and you don't want them to, yeah, like, insurance and Yeah, whatever. you know, I, I don't – Like, look at you as a liability or something?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um – it was more of a if I go on the sidelines, n- not so much it would show that I wasn't tough. It was more that uh, I would become an afterthought in the progression of what I wanted to do, which was get into the canine unit and and, and go up from there. So um, uh, yeah, I wasn't uh, I mean, there's definitely a mentality and, and when you're going through the PT, it's about you know performance and who's you know who's running, uh, this test fastest and who's slowest. So in that sense, there was. But by the time I got my first, I had my first episode. Uh, I was still doing P- PT, but the the police academy performance stuff had ended. So it was more of the the job and and insurance and and how is this going to affect me in my future career.
0: Right, All right. Um, so did we talk about what you're most afraid, what you were most afraid of at this time? Was it more so like having kids or? Um, so, like what's the prognosis for people with m s? Can you like explain a little bit more about like what what it is and you said like you talked about having lesions on your brain, mm-hmm. so this is just something that it's not cancer but it, what like what is it
1: yeah, so multiple sclerosis it's a it's an unpredictable often you know debilitating disease of the central nervous system okay. so um, it eru- interrupts the flow of information uh within your brain, so between your brain and your body essentially. Um, so you have uh, your nerves have this fatty material called myelin over it and what your immune system does is it attacks that and it, it warps that myelin so your um, the, the fibers that protect those nerves essentially. so um, when the, the nerve becomes damaged then the brain sends signals um, to you through your body that don't you know, aren't sent correctly. so the, the different effects of it are, you know, numbness, tingling, blindness, paralysis, trouble walking, uh, fatigue, those type of things.
2: Okay. Yeah, we'll go ahead. Continue. I
1: was going to say there's different types of uh, MS. There's uh, relapsing remitting, which is the most common. Um, so essentially 85% or so of people diagnosed with MS have, have relapsing remitting, which is essentially you have an episode, you recover have an episode you recover you know and, and everybody's different in terms of their how their body and how, how MS affects them right um then there's primary progressive which is you know you you just progressively get worse and then there's the secondary progressive which is what uh relapsing remitting kind of turns into so somebody who has relapsing remitting you know usually develops later in life into secondary which is uh, essentially that just your symptoms get worse and the recovery times are less and shorter and
0: Okay, um, and was this around the time where you say you stopped like, exercising and you started you know, trying to not experience those symptoms that, yeah, yeah. that come
1: about? You know, I, When I look back at it, I, I don't remember much in terms of the world when, of the diagnosis, uh, but I do remember talking to the doctor about what I was doing, which was my you know, PT and, and a lot of exercising, a lot of uh, you know, sit-ups and all that kind of stuff, and, I, and for some reason I remember him. Uh, saying to me, you know, your exercise probably caused your first episode, and he didn't mean it in the sense that way, of right, right. of do you you need to not exercise anymore. But twenty six years old, I don't want this happening again. You know that that my first episode, the numbness climbed my entire body, and I was I was numb from the neck down for about nine months. What? And it started by leaving my feet first, and then crawled up my body. And the last thing that really came back. Uh, Feeling wise were my hands, um, so I remember thinking. you know, I don't remember much, but I remember him saying that, and that took me out for about four or five years.
2: Sure, um, that alone would scare me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know every time you exercise, I would think I was going to I making up the myself next morning, worse or you know, something. I, am yeah, I hurting yeah. myself, so yeah, it 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 um, it really affected me for a good four or five years after. So from about twenty six to thirty, um, I didn't you know I, I went into a shell. I didn't didn't exercise like I had my entire life. Um, I didn't learn much about the disease because, okay, I'd recover. I don't have to deal with the second episode as long as if, if I ignore it, it's not really there, which
2: was, you know, I, I learned now. That was not the, the proper mm, way to the deal it. Not the case, things,
0: right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What, I was going to
2: say, so from going from being so scared to work out and everything, how did you kind of flip that switch and just find these races that you started doing and jump kind of head first into it?
1: Yeah, so um, – when I got out of when I graduated from college uh, and my basketball career was over, I started playing in like summer leagues, and I, I even I though did.
0: you didn't want to look at a basketball anymore,
1: yeah, <laughs> and that was the <laughs> you amazing take the thing. ball, you <laughs> yeah. take the ball. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, after crying at midcourt a couple of times, uh, <laughs> I ended. I was able to uh, find kind of the joy of basketball again. So right. the, the competitive nature, at least, I mean, you know, maybe not the joy because I still probably had some. Some uh, sour grapes about college, but uh, I was able to figure out basketball is fun again, competitive, and 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 win and feel like what what winning was like, and then you know got the job, moved to Maryland, was diagnosed, um, and then about four years of not doing much, I just felt like I was wasting away. Just I you know finally, just thinking to myself, this is not the person I am. Somebody who doesn't exercise, do something. Um, and I had a co-worker who invited me to, to run one of the first Tough Mudders with her. I said, all right, that, that sounds like fun. It's something I want to do. Um, and I did it and I was just, I was like, all right, this is, it. This is for me. Uh, you know, I was, I've always been uh, a pretty good runner. I don't think I, you know, running isn't really my thing, but um, I've been good at it and... Uh, Long
0: strides. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, and when I crossed that finish line and had that sense of accomplishment, I said, okay, This is uh, this is a feeling I want to continue to get, and I've let MS take this away from me for so for for four or five years now. I've I've let MS control what I was doing, and if I'm going to go down, I might as well go down, you know, fighting and and at least doing things that uh, I can say I accomplished something instead of just sitting there not doing much anything.
0: Sure. I mean, in like tough mutters, those are like physical obstacles that are in your way, (laughs) and you have you know MS, which is also. A physical obstacle, but it, you kind of like prove it wrong by conquering the the tough mutter obstacles. That's it's yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, there was definitely a connection between my disease, uh, between getting over my my feelings towards college basketball, and and figuring out something that challenged me that I could accomplish. Uh, that you know wasn't about wins and losses. It was about looking inside myself and knowing I
0: accomplished something. Right, embracing the suck. I've done a few tough mutters and. They're not fun. <laughs> like you feel great afterwards, yeah. but like being cold and wet for like two and a half hours, I'm like, oh, yeah. No. I was gonna
2: say that's awesome too. Is not doing anything for four years and then your first thing back is just like a 13 tough mile motor, tough. Yeah. Motor, so like. I definitely.
1: I, I had a good friend do it with me, and uh, I definitely you know had the train. So I mean. I did it not in the best shape of my life, but, yeah. you know, I, I crossed the finish line. That was all that I was trying it's to all accomplish. That's And so then you
0: got your Dos Equis beer that they, <laughs> they hand out. <laughs> you're like, you sh- You're, like yeah. <laughs> you're <laughs> spilling all over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so when did you start uh, raising money for MS by, you know, using these uh, races, you know, as a, as a fundraising outlet?
1: Yeah, so I did, I did the Tough Mudder in 2010 was the first one. Uh And I, you know, I I did some other smaller races. Um, In 2012, my wife came home and said, do you know that there's a a mud race that's associated with MS? And I was like, no, I I had no idea. I I had not, you know, again, I was back in getting into shape, but I had not confronted the disease at all. I was just at least accomplishing things now and doing something, being active, getting in shape. But I still didn't talk about MS. Um, I didn't associate myself. I didn't. Uh, advertise it. You know, I, more people knew about it. At that Why point didn't that you I talk about it? I had just gotten into the into the zone of ignoring it. I I, I had minor symptoms. Uh, nothing as serious at my first attack. Um, you know, I had some double vision, some some uh, numbness in certain areas, uh, but it wasn't severe enough to where I had to address it. You know, I I, I went back for my MRIs. When my doctor saw my doctor once every six months. Okay, it, you know, you're progressing. Here's you know a new lesion, or here's a new you know, whatever, but you're not seeing symptoms, so you're really in, in good shape. Um, and if, you know, if you get that double vision, because I, I would get double vision and I would ignore it and just, you know, wait two weeks for it to go away. I've been there before. Yeah. where? Um, <laughs> just
0: from s- crashing my skull into things, <laughs> but. Yeah.
1: And uh, when you tell your doctor that, you know, you get, you know, scolding for not coming to see him because, you know, he would have helped me, you know, put me on steroids or whatever. But, uh, uh, yeah, so um, I just... Uh, you know, continue down that path.
2: All right. So. so talk about like the first muck race that you did once you found this, like what did you think of it? Did you think that you were going to continue on with this? What were your feelings about it?
1: Yeah. I, uh The first one I did, I, you know, when my wife told me about it, I, I kind of jumped in head first in, in terms of making a team, you know, asking some friends and family to run with me, raising money just by sending emails out to, to friends asking for, for donations. Um, and the first one uh first one was great i you know it was again it was um i forget it was seven or eight miles, something like that, and it was challenging and and fun and we raised something like eight grand, which i thought was you know
0: that's awesome yeah that's and, awesome
1: you know beyond what I ever would be able to do and uh I just had a great time i felt i finally felt like um I was doing something uh, that that i loved in in those type of races, and then you know, doing something that that helps my disease uh, that, I, that right. I fight, and so many other people do. Did um, you meet a
0: lot of other people at the race who have MS?
1: Yeah, it, it's been a slow. This is so this is the fifth year of my team at the Muck Fest, which is a Team Filth and Fury, um, which Stephen is is uh, a member of. of. me, a member of <laughs> two um, years strong, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's been kind of a, a slow growth. Uh, I was I was the ambassador for the race last year, so I got an opportunity to go speak to. Um, about the event, about my story. Um, so it's it's been a slow. I went from you know running that first races, uh, just running and collecting money, to then slowly starting to meet people, great people within the National MS Society, the New Jersey chapter, to to you know taking advantage of whatever events that they've that they have and going to everything and essentially anything they send them, send me the, the National MS Society, and, and uh, the the great team there, I go to. I, I'm I. I've taken this position that anything they send me, I'm going. No matter, I'll, I'll change it. You know, outside of my daughter's birthdays, if right. they're having an event and I can and, and I can get there, I'm, I'm going. And through that, I've met people and you know, I've heard stories of, um, of different people and, and gone to fundraisers. And, and then each year uh, with the race, I've tried to raise a little bit more money. And then, you know, like I said last year, I was the ambassador. So I got to talk to people, meet a ton of people that that are in the same position I am. Um, and you know, this year, is, this is uh, year five of the team. We're going to surpass the fifty thousand uh, dollar raised mark this year. Uh, we're about forty-six thousand now. Um, so yeah, that's it's, it's that's been, a lot. of uh, crazy, crazy money, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a great event. Um, so uh, you know, uh, definitely want to get the word out there about you know people.
0: So did the, the oh, sorry. Up. So Go did ahead. like the muck race um, kind of act as like a catalyst for? Because, like, before, you kind of ignored it, like, mm-hmm. acted like you didn't have MS. And then after the muck race, you've, like, fully immersed yourself in this kind of yeah. community. And I know a lot of people that come on this podcast always talk about the support system that yeah. helps them kind of deal with their obstacle. So has this – has it made it easier for you by immersing yourself in this community to kind of, you know, work with the symptoms? Like, when you get symptoms, I don't know. Yeah. you know, like –
1: it's absolutely given me an outlet and a voice to associate with my, my diagnosis. Um, I, have I've, you know, through, since 2005, I've had a great support system in, in my family and friends. But this just took it to a whole new level. This was, um, you know, meeting similar people like myself, uh, getting the opportunity to tell my story and talk to people um, and really just associate and, and you know, uh, we had an event uh, a couple weeks ago where i got to you know stand up and and tell a room of you know maybe 50 people or so my story uh and and explain how the biggest thing for me is it's given me a voice so you know after um somebody at the national ms society karen who's great uh, came up and talked to me and said you know great speech thank you very much you know there there that woman over there was has been diagnosed within the last 2 months and it's great for her to hear what you're doing as somebody who's diagnosed, so right. it shows her that, you know, it's not, um, it, it's you don't go into your shell like I did. You know, I made that mistake for for five years, right? And, and,
0: You could have someone avoid that. Exactly. Hopefully
2: this gives somebody the opportunity to. Hopefully
0: this podcast is exactly what the podcast is about, right? And just
2: kind of like from my third, because I attended the dinner as well with Mike, and from like a third person point of view, I just feel and agree or disagree with me, is that when you tell your story, it kind of makes it easier to relate to the other people that have the MS, and it makes them feel more comfortable and easygoing, and they feel like they can go to you, Mm because maybe like this lady, she only had it for two months, so she has questions about. How is it a year down the road to you? You know what I mean? Right. So I feel like it kind of helps them relieve that stress that they're keeping inside. And
0: to yeah. see that you're, you know, how many years out from the diagnosis, 10 years 10, you said, yeah. and you're doing these mud races and doing all this this stuff, like, it gives, yeah. gives like them inspiration. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I've, I've been very lucky, absolutely.
0: Cool. Um, let me see. So you want to talk about the, the team Filth and Fury and what, what that means to you, like, and how you know the people that support you and um what what is partaking like what does <laughs>
2: the partaking in the race mean to you as well like every time that race starts how, what's going through your mind like what what do you, what is do you set goals do you kind of just want to get through it
1: yeah you know uh, i talked a lot earlier about the challenge you still little <laughs> kids <to the> ground <laughs> again, just the mud, little kid
2: <laughs>
1: so the muck fest is a little different you know i tough mutter spartan all those those are really Challenge races and and uh, muckfest is definitely more geared towards having fun. So uh, this is year five, friends and family. So we're at that starting line. It's 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 for me. It's it's that voice that I get. It's it's able and it also is is having guys like Stephen and my family and friends there who who show me so much support. So um, it's definitely about uh, for me um, that opportunity to have a good time for the next 45 minutes or something with people who have supported me uh, from, you know, either the last 10 years or or shorter and and have shown me, you know, a lot of love and a lot of support.
2: Awesome. The coolest thing I think just from personal experience running is that like it's so lackadaisical, you know what I mean? Like you just go through it, there's like swinging balls that are hitting people into muddy water and stuff. It's like a really cool (laughs) environment. What's
0: that show on TV where like... Wipe out, uh, yeah,
2: wipe out. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it's like, but with yeah. like 400 tons of mud. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sounds like a good know, time. There's
1: no special training needed. You know, it's uh, it's just there to have a good time, and and raise awareness for this. Season. Now, No, granted, you know, anytime I finish a 5K that's got obstacles, I'm going to feel a sense of accomplishment. Right, it's better than sitting on the couch. That's exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it's not. You know, for anyone out there that's thinking. It's tough, mutter. It's Spartan. It's not. It's there to you know have a have a really good time.
0: But it's a way also to kind of like distract you from whatever is going on in your life for that amount of time. You know, it's something Absolutely. that you could focus focus on. Yep. Um, so where can people donate to your team? And just to shout it out. I'll put it in the show notes of this show, so then people can right. click the link and, and, and yeah. Uh, so um,
1: go to muckfest.com or I'm sorry, muckfestms.com. Uh, you can you'll know, you'll see in there donate or register. Um, anyone listening to this podcast, feel free to join Team Filth and Fury. We'd love to have you join. You know, we did that last year. The MS Society, if they get a call from somebody that says we want to run the race but right. we don't have a team to join, they send them to my team, they, you know, a couple other teams. Cool. So when is
0: the race? Uh, the race the next is one? Uh, June 25th. My knee uh, might actually be better by then, so. Excellent. Kevin oh, Song, yeah. Getting, yeah, getting a little money. Getting a little d- <laughs> getting <all> filthy. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's uh, it's held at the Essex County South Mountain Reserve in West Orange, New okay. Jersey. Um, okay. So Thousands, last year I think it was upwards of 5,000 people uh, who came. The great thing about the race is 100% of the funds go to, go raised by MuckFest, go to the National MS Society. Um, and so far n- nationwide, there's uh, I think maybe 10 or 12 races na- nationally. Um, has raised more than 22 million dollars. Awesome! A, for wow!
0: Research.
2: So, and is New Jersey one of the bigger races? Because I know last year they split it because it was growing in yeah, size, right? In, in
1: terms of uh, participation, I don't know about in, in terms of dollars, but you know, I've I've run the Muckfest in Denver, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, and New Jersey, um, and you know, obviously, New, the New Jersey is close to my heart. That's what I raise all my
0: money for. But the dirty every jersey. <laughs> every <laughs> event is great. Um, every uh, every one that they hold is great. Cool, um, so how do you think that your the MS has you know changed you as a as a person, um, and what are you still learning from it every day?
1: Okay, um, let's see. Um, I think <laughs> my MS diagnosis was a little you know the way it changed me snuck up on me, I guess, because uh, I, I let it affect me um, for so many years, um, and I didn't realize how it had changed me, but it did. Uh so it, it it hurt my ability, I guess, to enjoy the moment because I was so worried with MS, you know, I could wake up tomorrow with symptoms that could just go downhill from there. Um, so it definitely affected my uh ability to enjoy the moment. Um, something that I I'm still currently working on, uh, you know, trying to live in the moment, enjoy the moment tomorrow's not guaranteed you know that's the the cliche statement that everybody says you know tomorrow's no, not for guaranteed to sure, yeah. so enjoy it for me I know why tomorrow's not guaranteed I know what potentially could affect me I mean yeah I could get hit by a bus tomorrow or I could wake up you know add that I could also wake up with symptoms that don't allow me to do these exactly things that I'm doing, so. and that
0: makes me think of too like when people ask me all the time like you know should my son play football or should my kid do this I'm like let him play. Like, if he wants to play, yeah. let him play. Because like, he's exactly right. Like, the kid could walk across the street and get hit by a car, and mm-hmm. then he, you know. Same yeah.
2: thing as playing football. You you never right. know. And,
0: like, even when you talk about the CTE stuff that goes on, like, I'm sure every person that played football has some form of CTE. And, obviously, it affects people differently. But it's like, if you don't, if you have fun playing, like, don't not play because of, you're worried about getting CTE, like, 40 years down the road. Yep. Like, you don't even know if you're going to live tomorrow. Like, yeah.
1: Absolutely. you know I, I spent five years doing nothing and I look back and I regret it severely as opposed to what I'm doing now, which is you know being active uh, running these races and it's not guaranteed
2: that I can run it uh, but it's not guaranteed for anybody right whether exactly. they, they yeah. have a diagnosis or not. So do you think like uh, not right away from being diagnosed because obviously there's like that there's that coping period, but do you find that challenging yourself is important important to managing the MS?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, absolutely. Um, you know, symptoms are not, uh, you know, being able to look myself in the mirror and, and say that I'm, I'm doing something that, that challenges me, that that returns me to the feelings I've had in the past when I used to play basketball, whether uh, it's competitive or it's just in a sense of accomplishment or, or doing something. Um, you know, even beyond the, the, the diagnosis, I think that's important for anybody.
0: Um so we're starting to wrap up the show here. So I, I, this is the first time I'm asking this question, but I want to start adding this to all my interviews. Okay. So, what three things are you most grateful for?
1: Um, well, you know, one and two, absolutely, are my two daughters, Raylan and Nina. You know, Raylan's eight year old, years old and Nina's four. Um, you know, MS and you know, as with most parents, you know, my my two daughters are my life. So definitely uh, grateful for them. And then, you know, I, I'm grateful for my current health. Um, you know, MS is always there. It, it's, it you know, potentially always finds ways to remind me that it's there. Uh, but I can still run these races. I can still, you know, I can run Muckfest in June. Uh, you know, going to be doing my first Spartan race uh, in July. Um, so I'm grateful for my current health. It's, like I said, it's not, it, not guaranteed tomorrow. But currently, uh, I'm symptom-free and feeling great. And I'm very grateful for that.
0: Awesome. Do you think that you know being more active is a way to prevent the symptoms or what do you think? Yeah, I think any doctor would would
1: recommend me handling things the way I do now. Now versus <laughs> what you used when to do I did okay. it, when I just tried to
0: hide from it and not did not do anything physical. Do I some
2: don't. buys and tries, start getting <laughs> that that's working out. <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> Steven, you want to give the the final always the the signature of the Heads and Tails podcast?
2: Sure. What is your personal definition of perseverance? Oh, man, here we go. Um,
0: <laughs> I don't want no Webster Dictionary <laughs> crap. <laughs> uh, He's taking out a notebook, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, uh, you know, for me, um, based on what I've gone through, my definition is, is definitely attitude. Um, attitude reflect leadership, captain. Yeah, yeah, despite, you know, the difficulties, uh, you know, I can't control my body with MS, Um and in the future, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but my attitude is important to me. That, that's kind of what, um, you know, I base my things. And I have, you know, in my office, um, the quote that I always, you know, go by is uh, Charles Swindell's quote about attitude. And, it, it, you know, it's a whole, you know, paragraph, which I won't, I won't read. And, and it's, it's pretty popular, but, um, and that's the, you know, I'm convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. Uh, and so it's with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Awesome. So, um, that's what I go by. I go by, you know, regardless of what MS is going to do to me, if I have a positive attitude, uh, you know, I can accomplish more. And, and once I got over myself <laughs> and after four or five years changed my attitude, you know, things have been a lot, lot better for me.
2: True. Awesome. I feel like that's the biggest part, too, is you're your own obstacle. And that's kind of I feel a lot of people deal with is that's the hardest thing to get over.
1: Because once you're
2: over that. It's open door to everything.
1: Right. Yeah. What's what's gone on inside my head has been the bigger obstacle for me than my my MS symptoms.
2: Right. And like I
0: say this quote all the time on the the show, I use that as like a little motto. Sometimes is exactly what you just said. Like you can't control what happens to you, but you can always control how you respond. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time on yeah. your your Saturday to you. sit down with us and tell your story. And I look forward to being on Team Filth and Fury uh, for the the ms muck muck race uh, in june hopefully my knee is a little bit able to withstand this. that yeah <laughs> <laughs> my Absolutely. quad grows a little bit more
1: <laughs> muckfestms.com <laughs> you know join team filth and fury make your own team donate
0: do Bring they have any uh, social media Absolutely. outlets Absolutely, you know Facebook, and I'm not,
2: you know,
1: on I, Instagram. I'm on
2: Facebook because of uh, <laughs> okay.
0: Buckfest because I try and help it to use.
1: But I'm not a Facebook or Twitter guy or Instagram. But uh, God, I sound old. But, not, uh, not
2: gramming in your free time. <laughs> no,
1: but uh, yeah, the, they, they have all that. Um, you know, and the website's great. You can you can register, and uh, you know, just like every other race, the price the price starts to go up the closer you get. So so jump on there now, join, and again, we'd love to have you on our team.
2: All right, thanks, awesome. Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks,
1: Mike. Thanks, guys.
0: Hope you guys enjoy that episode with Mike Fury and our new co-host, Steve McGuire. Uh, in case you guys live in the New Jersey area and you want to partake in the MuckFest festivities, uh, go over to MuckFestMS.com and you can either register your own team or sign up for Mike's team, Filth and Fury, spelled F-U-R-E-Y. Also, if you haven't done so yet, go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This way we could uh, spread our message further and further each week and share more and more stories like Mike's. Um, also, you could keep, stay up to date on Instagram, uh, at Heads and Tails. That's uh, heads is in multiple heads, the letter N, and then tails, spelled T-A-L-E-S. Same thing goes on Twitter, add a little P-O-D on the end, and then like us on Facebook. And just like how Mike has learned to deal with MS, you can't always control what happens to you in life, but you can always control how you respond. See you guys next week.